Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. Well, we are in a new series here. Last weekend, it began as uh, Don Cook brought us a message uh, in which uh, he talked about hope, hope for the nation. As a matter of fact, he kind of introduced this whole idea of hope and kind of gave us the picture of the whole landscape and sharing with us a lot of the scriptures. It was kind of a telescopic view, and today we're going to uh, go a little bit, we're going to zoom in a little bit, and we're going to be talking in particular in this idea of igniting new hope about living in the hope of glory, living in the hope of glory. And for that, we need to look at a particular text in addition to what we had already read, but from uh, Colossians in the first chapter. In verse 27, it just says this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's pray. Lord, fix our eyes upon you that we may behold the glory that we may absorb the glory, that we may live the glory. Lord, give us that hope that this glory increase in us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, make it clear. Hope is not the same as wishful thinking. Now, everybody's got wishes, just, you know, and who hasn't dreamed about the genie showing up one day and that you, you know, you rub the lamp or the bottle, the genie appears and you make your, your wish. Well, uh, I hate to tell you this, but there is no genie that's going to grant us those wishes. And we find out not good things happen when wishes go bad. So what could possibly go wrong? Well, as you saw in that video, or this is one I heard about, an occasion where an individual found that bottle with a genie and he rubbed the bottle, the genie appeared, said, you get three wishes. Said, oh, okay, cool, this is what I want. How about a Lamborghini Aventador? And so suddenly there, a bright red sports car, he gets in it, turns on the engine, and he's zooming down the highway, going like everything. He said, you know what? He said, you know, I wish I had, I wish I had here uh, a state-of-the-art audio system in this car. Boom, right there it is. The music is on. There's a little break for a commercial. And so he's singing along, oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. Anyway, wishes can go bad. Uh, my daughter sent me a picture of that last week. <laughs> you know, the, did you know it was in, in Tulsa, that, that very same thing. Well, wishes can kind of go poof, like a, a vapor, nothing, the genie's gone, the utopian dreams come down to absolutely nothing. But people doing interviews ask questions like, hey, what would you ask a genie? Here are the top things that came out. One is wishing for happiness. Who doesn't want happiness? How about health? Yay, why not health? How about love? Everybody wants love. How about success? How about wealth? How about self-improvement? You know, but wishing for these things, though they may be okay, they're, they're good, but wishing doesn't make it 
happen. Hope, contrast. Hope is an evidence-based conviction that something good or better will happen. And Christian hope is based on the certainty and the assurance of the Word of God. It's based on something more than random chance. But it focuses on the person, the purpose, the presence, and the promises of God. That's the critical factor for hope. And if those things are working in your life, you have hope. You have a basis for hope. As a matter of fact, Scripture even refers to hope as the anchor of the soul. When everything else around you is in kind of an anarchy, you know, uh, everything is chaotic, when you are anchored in the Lord, in the promises of his word, you know what? You're going to get through that. You are going to be just fine. You anchor a boat, a storm can come, and everything around it, you know, it's going like crazy. And uh, when the storm is done, the boat is still there in the same place. So, you know, we can live with a lot of things. As a matter of fact, people can live with suffering and pain and poverty and persecution if they have hope. But living without hope is intolerable. As our society continues down that slippery slope away from God, people are attempting to live their life without a basis for hope. They're hoping for hope, but they don't have a basis for hope. It's just kind of wishful thinking. And their life then seems senseless, purposeless, not going anywhere. And there's no wonder that the rate of suicide uh, is, is so high and is a leading cause of death among young people. Now, the essence of our Christian faith is centered around the hope. The hope is based upon the promise that comes from God. So how is it that a child of God can have hope? Let's consider an acrostic about that word hope, okay? You found those notes uh, near you, and there are some blanks that you can fill in and Bible passages are written out there. Uh, that's one of the advantages of doing worship on site here. Okay, thank you, uh, congregation uh, online. Okay, just just a little hint. Okay, uh, let's go. First one you're going to fill in the H, heavenly, heavenly. Okay, that's what our hope, the hope of glory, is heavenly. So it isn't l- just limited to the world, to this earth. It is heavenly, and we're going to go to a verse uh, where Paul has been talking about the resurrection of Jesus, connecting that resurrection to our own resurrection of the body. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, if in Christ we have hope in this life, get that, okay, the present, the, uh, the earthly, in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You see, that would be so limited, so earthly-oriented. And and all of this, you know, everything that's part of our our everyday earthly life is going to pass away one day. Uh, And we know that that's going to happen, yet we have the tendency to continue, you know, putting more and more into that. If you knew that the Titanic was going to sink and you took all of your riches, <laughs> everything you owned, anything of value, all your retirement funds, put them in the safe in, yeah, what, well, safe in the Titanic, but you knew it was going to sink, would that be a wise thing to do? We know what's going to be happening, and we do not want to build our house on the sand when we know there is a storm and the flood coming. 
So there are hopes, though, that people have. Now, let's go a little different direction. Uh, demographically, millennial hopes in that, uh, that demographic, millennial hopes. Uh, opinion researchers have found this, that they're hoping for simplicity. That would be uh, uh, in, say, in, in lifestyle, simplicity in life, where people would be much more natural, where people would be authentic, no more fake nails, <laughs> no more fake tans, uh, but more people just relaxing, doing what they love to do, family and community mattering more, having a sense of identity, backing off of political correctness, now, all of these things, hey, again, these are, are good things. Can you argue against them? Well, no. But the perspective is wrong. It is only focused on this life, on those things that are only very temporary. Uh, and so God's people have a different perspective. It's a heavenly perspective, a different outlook on existence. And for this, we're going to go to another verse in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, the second verse says this, set your mind on things that are above, okay? Mindset, things that are above, not on things that are down on earth. Now, you know what? When you think about that, isn't that an incredible freedom? where you can take your eyes off of and have, you know, don't have to anxieties about what's going on on this, this earth. You know what? You could live with deprivation, disappointment, and not have to give in to disillusionment. You can have, uh, even when things do not work out perfectly, you can have peace and joy because peace and joy don't come from the right combination of circumstances. This is fruit of the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within a person. So we go from the H of heavenly to the next, the O. And the O stands for only. Only in Christ do we get it. Uh, let's go back to Colossians 1, verse 27, that little snippet of that verse, which I read at the introduction here. And since I already read it, you got to read it along with me this time. Everybody ready? Online, you ready? Okay. Christ in you the hope of glory. Now, when Christ comes to live in your heart, you know that there is a profound change. You see, this is a transformative relationship where we go from shame into glory, from guilty to forgiven, from slavery or bondage to freedom, from alienation to having intimate relationship, from being an orphan to adoption, and you're given a name, you're given a family, you're given an identity, you're a child of God, you got brothers and sisters, and you get the full rights of inheritance. Do you know that there is no other path to this kind of fulfillment in life other than, you got it, other than Jesus Christ, only in Christ. Christ in you, that's the hope of glory. You know, self-help programs, uh, they depend upon human potential, of which mine is quite limited, okay? Human potential. How about inherent goodness? Well, <laughs> I, I'm a broken person. I'm a sinner <laughs> by nature. Well, how about good intentions? Oh, that's the paving material for the road to hell, isn't it? Good intentions. Uh, how about uh, the ability to follow through? Hmm, sometimes I don't even want to follow through, let alone have the ability. And see, none of these can deliver that hope of glory. It comes only, only, only in 
Jesus Christ. So we've got to look at that a little bit more closely, break that down only in Christ. We have to consider what God has done for us in Jesus. You know, thinks what he did for you. What did he do? He suffered for you. Yeah. He came for you from heaven to earth so he could suffer for you, so he could die for you, so he could rise from the dead for you. He ascended so that you could be seated with him in the heavenly places. He ascended so that he might be interceding for you before the throne of the heavenly Father right now. And so, you know, our sin is all atoned for, for us by Jesus Christ. Everything is done. The job has been finished. There is no merit left required by you. The bill has totally been paid all by him for you. It comes only in Christ. Let's take one more run at that, looking at Hebrews chapter 6. A couple of verses there. We have this, and that's that assurance, that hope, as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Then again, that word hope a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. I'm going to explain that in just a moment. Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You see, how did God deal with sin prior to the coming of Jesus? He gave a picture of what he would be doing when Jesus would come. There was that tabernacle, and there were three chambers, or three sections. The first, the outside one, where the sacrifices were made, and then a holy place where there was the golden candlesticks and the uh, altar of showbread and the altar of incense. That was getting closer, but there was a big heavy curtain that separated you know, the inner place, that inner sanctum. Only once a year, the high priest could go, and he'd have to go with the, with the blood of an innocent animal and, and pour that on that what's called the mercy seat. And that was a picture of what would be coming. So, so he talks about Jesus entering into that, that most intimate place in the presence of the Father with his own blood. And then when that happened, the veil was just ripped wide open, and the access to God made for us, just like the access into the Garden of Eden, you know, access to paradise, slammed shut when Adam and Eve sinned against God, opened up in the coming of Jesus Christ. So that means we've got access. We, uh, and inside of that inner chamber, the glory of God, there wasn't any natural light in there. It was a supernatural light. It was the Shekinah glory of God. And that was glowing and coming into that presence uh, the high priest, yeah, only him, just once a year. Now, Jesus Christ, he says, okay, you guys, <laughs> doors open, access, access granted for all of us. Uh, and Paul picks that up and he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Does it get any better than that? Okay. H-O, okay, that's... Um, uh, the o only the H being heavenly, O only. P, it's personal, personal. You see, hope comes in person, in Christ, Christ in you. You know that that's personal relationship. Your hope then is quite personal. His person, personality is being drawn then into each one of us. Christ in you, that means there's a change 
into, more and more, into what it is that he created us for, what he redeemed us for, what he wants to bring about in our life. And so I guess we have to ask the question. So is God finished with any of us yet? God say, okay, you're there, you're there, you're fine, okay? He says, no, I got some more, and then after that, some more, and then some more. Are we living in the glow of the glory? Are we being conformed to the image of the Son of God? Are we trusting, serving, obeying, as we know we ought? Okay, good news is that, it, you know, we haven't gotten there yet, but He's bringing us along in step by step. Okay, we're going to go to another verse. This is 2 Corinthians 3. Uh, and it's what I read earlier in that longer section, but just a, a verse here. It says, We all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord. We talk about that, you know, getting into that Holy of Holies. The glory, the Shekinah of the Lord, our being, this is ongoing activity. It's not finished yet. We are being transformed into the same image one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord. You know, didn't come from us. <laughs> Not my good intentions and my ability to follow through. Oh, no. This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So let's just uh, take a moment to unpack a little bit of that. Unveiled face, okay. Moses on the Mount, on Mount Sinai. Forty days in the presence of the Lord. Now, that was pretty transforming because, you see, he was there, and, and the glory, the glow of the glory of God began to be absorbed into him. You know, 40 days of being with the Lord in intimate fellowship and listening to him and, and, and with, with a heart of love and trust toward that God, as well as awe, <laughs> you know, fear and love God, okay? It changed him. And when he came down from the mountain, he put a veil over his face because it was so bright, it would have blinded the people. But then, as, uh, as Paul points out, but after a while, he kept it on because it was fading and he didn't want the people to realize he had gotten a little bit distant from the Lord. You know, sometimes when we're fading, uh, it's because we've gotten a little bit of a distance from the Lord. So he wants us to come close because what you look at is what you will soon look like. So beholding the glory of God. You want to see Jesus? You want to look like Jesus? How's that going to work? Okay, first in the Word. We go to the Word of God. Did you know he reveals himself and he reveals his glory? He shows it to us. And I would recommend spending maybe a bit more time in the Gospels because there we're seeing Jesus. And here's the, the, the power of the Word, you see. It's a living Word, living and active, so that actually the Holy Spirit's continually inviting and drawing and changing us through the power of that Word, especially as we look at Jesus, we're going to become more like Jesus. Okay, we'll go from that to a second one, and that's right in front of me here, uh, or right behind me now in front of me, and that is this altar. Uh, it, <laughs> it looks like there's just bread and wine, okay? Uh, uh, this sacrament is not a much, so much about what you receive as who you receive. You see, uh, when, when Paul is writing to the Corinthians, he tells them to discern, to sec recognize the body of the Lord in, in the sacrament. And that's important for us. We see, oh, 
uh, a living encounter with the living Jesus Christ. What a gift he has given to his church so that his, his loving, saving presence can be experienced. You know, there's a tie between the physical and the spiritual in that. And that's an absolutely amazing thing. So, and, and as we do that, we do it with a certain kind of reverence where we're you know, just kind of gazing and looking and lingering to, to absorb the glory. And the third thing, and that is, is kind of look around you, and that is we're here in the presence of brothers and sisters who love Jesus. Um, now, there are, are people that maybe have a strong influence in your life because they reflect Jesus. See, they've still got, they've got some of that glow because they've been in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord has begun forming uh, their personality, their outlook, you know, just their way of life. You want to look at them, and, and Paul says it's a good idea to uh, imitate the behavior and then maybe you know, get also into the mindset of those who are, are doing that. So, you know anybody that reflects the glory of Jesus in their life? Okay. I've met people like that. Uh, there are people like that right in this room. Uh, and it, it, it just does such a, it makes a big difference. So this whole hope of glory is heavenly. It's only in Christ. It's personal. And we are being changed from one degree to glory to another. And finally, it is e- eternal, eternal. Now, it's quite, quite the same point I made when I said heavenly. Eternal uh, I want to ha- have a focus on the here and now. Did you know that the eternal has invaded the here and the now, the every day? See, are you in eternity? Yes, you are in eternity. As a matter of fact, when you come to the Lord's Supper, you step into eternity. You're stepping outside of time. You're stepping into what Jesus did uh, and what Jesus yet is going to do into the future. He's just, how do I understand? How do I? I can't. I can't grasp that. I scarce can take it in. But this is eternity already. Experience in this mode of physical existence, and uh, Jesus said that those who believe in Him, He didn't say you're gonna have eternal life. He says you have present possession. The quality of eternity resides in all who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And that relationship, you see, is not just temporal or temporary. That relationship is eternal. So even now, at this moment, right where you are, you can be a participant in the eternal, and your life can be anchored in the hope of glory already experiencing the eternal blessings. Uh, Let's name just a few. Forgiveness, personal relationship, identity as a child of God. You're part of the people of God. Ah, You have those rights. You have an inheritance. You have a share in the glory that will be fully revealed in us one day. And already, because he's got his grip on us, We have a grip on the glory. Even while we're still living in the painful shadow of the cross at the same time. (laughs) What a contradiction this is, but that's how it works. We're still in the glory, even in the difficult times. So 
This all involves God's act of complete acceptance, reconciliation, which we want to increasingly discover through the word, looking at Jesus and the glory surrounding us more and more as we go from glory to glory. Well, one more verse, and then I'm just about done. Okay, we're going to go to Romans 5.5. Hope. It starts with the word hope. Hope does not put us to shame or disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts. <laughs> spilling over, spilling over, yeah, it's okay if it, if it spills over, that, that God doesn't mind, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Live in the hope of glory. Amen.